In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. My relationship with Jesus is so different than my relationship with people. It's like categorically, it's like bipolar opposites. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. So I want to talk to you about something that's really on my heart. I was invited to speak on a psalm, and I didn't even have to think. I knew exactly what I was going to speak on. I had the sermon in my head. I just had to put it on paper. This is something that's very close to my heart. But I do want to say this. I heard the understatement of the century about 20 minutes ago when Julie Dick said she's part of the admin team. She is the hub of the church. I mean, I walked up and she handed me an eraser and a bunch of pins for the whiteboard. I mean, seriously, I told Jeff, if she ever decides to not do stuff at the church, I'm going to hire her. So Julie, I just want to acknowledge you Uh, Thank you for all you do for the church. And I do want to say our men's float trip yesterday, it was the greatest day of doing nothing I've had in a long time. It was, well, actually my wife and I had a pretty awesome day on Maui the other day, but it was amazing to float with these guys, uh, to experience life with these guys. And you know, what we didn't tell you, and I do want to acknowledge one other guy, it was Kurt Stone's birthday yesterday. So we got a party with Kurt Stone, have pizza with Kurt Stone. Oh, my oldest son is calling me. Hold on, put him on. There we go. And uh, I do want to say, Kurt, where are you, Kurt? Is Kurt not here? Oh, he did, man. A little bit too much gluten from that pizza. But I just want to say, you know, Kurt, Kurt is a good man. He's not always nice to me, but he is good. He is one of the best men I have the privilege of knowing. So I just wanted to, Jack's over there going, finally, somebody's, he's making fun of somebody besides me. And so I just, you know, I don't know if you know this, but you, this church uh, um, supports Men in the Arena, which is the organization I lead. Uh, Many of you individually support this ministry. And last time I spoke to you was in December. And so I just feel like God is wanting me to share with you like our last year. Just a little short report. So, you know, I'm like your missionary coming to the church, sharing about the ministry and so this is something in humility. We had a good year. And, uh, and you've been a part of that. Your reward, according to Philippians 4, is a part of that. And uh, because of you and your support and this church really being the hub of our ministry, this church really is the hub of our ministry, the hub in prayer, the hub in so many areas, 
Uh, we've been invited to sit on the National Coalition of Men's Ministries Board of Directors. We're the only organization represented this side of the Mississippi River. 190 uh, men's ministry organizations represented, so it's the biggest con- collaboration of men's ministries in the world. So that's awesome. We wrote a book last year that was a number one bestseller on Amazon, Strong Men, Dangerous Times. Yesterday, we hit 9,000 followers on Instagram, which is huge because that's kind of the under 45 crowd. And I'm like, can get a discount at Sherry's. <laughs> and so we went from 9,000 yesterday morning, we're at 9,070 already. So God is working there on social media. Uh, we are launching a men's ministry uh, virtual team across the country with 30 hands selected. Uh, national team captains. Five, four of those are attending our church. One or more I have to ask. God keeps telling me to ask him. And so I'm like, I got to listen to that. So I got five. So that's a hub. We have an arena gathering on Wednesday night starting this fall that we started last year. We think it'll grow to over 200 men in our county by the end of the year. We have 11,000 men on our Facebook forum from 100 different nations. And last year, our podcast was downloaded in 122 different countries. And so that is all coming out of this church Last week, I got a letter from a gal named Amy J. I'll just call her Amy J. I don't know who she is. She lives somewhere in Wyoming. I really don't know who this person is. She said, "Uh, my name is Amy. Thank you for helping my husband become a man. Some things have changed in our lives, and apparently he felt the need to be a better man, not just a male. We live 90 miles from the nearest box store, and it's always been, you think you live out in the country in Yamhill, Turner (laughs) Creek, come on. And it's always been stressful for me to shop with my husband because he doesn't do well driving in traffic. He's in Wyoming, 90 miles from a death. What is traffic in Wyoming? Okay. He's always driving in traffic saying, with the idiots. He yells, gives hand gestures, swears, and it's common for me and us to be in a complete mess when we arrive. Plus, he's constantly telling me to hurry up when we shop. I'm sure he's the only dude who does that. At, I'm always at least 15 to 20 feet behind him. Well, today was different. Today was incredible. No angry driving issues. He waited for me and walked with me. A first. He was helpful and kind and irresistible. I was actually getting turned on by his actions. I'm glad the children were dismissed. But I was skeptical, quite frankly, because this was not my husband. Apparently, you're writing a chapter in a book about being gentle, which is true. I'm writing a book right now called The Full Capacity Man. Today, my husband was the gentlest I've ever seen him. Thank you for helping him. Men in the arena has made a difference in his lives, his life, which has made a difference in my life. When a man gets it, everyone wins. And so those are the stories that we're hearing daily because of you and because of your support. That don't, it's not a Ramos thing. This is a YCC. This is a God thing. So I just want to share that with you guys as a celebration. I hope you don't take that as, oh, Ramos is up here bragging. It is not the case at all. You know, um, it's really interesting that I had two guys come up before me today and preach my message, Ken Watson and Steve Weiss. You know, I remember, it's interesting how God works. I remember the first time I heard it. I was in a GMC van, spray-painted green, on South Bay Boulevard on December 15th. I, was 15, I had just turned 15 the day before. I we was coming back from basketball practice. My coach was my head coach, freshman coach was driving me. In one hand, I was looking at the brand new Aerosmith Toys in the Attic cassette I got for my birthday. And over here, I was holding ACDC's Back in Black. I was so excited to put those in my Walkman and listen to them. And this guy, Gary, started this red bearded Scottish guy, started preaching to me about Jesus. 
I remember right where we are, right where we were with the twin bridges. And I said, Gary, stop. I don't want to hear about this stuff. I am a Christian, but I will never go to church. (laughs) And he said something that has impacted my life deeply. Actually, it ruined my life. It's completely changed the trajectory of where I was heading. He said, Christianity is not about going to church. It's about having a relationship with God. And that rocked my world. And I stood on that for four years. And then in August of 1984, that that red-bearded Scottish guy led me to Jesus in front of a pizza place. Perfect place to come to Christ. That guy, Gary McCusker, is a hero in our family. He sits as my vice president today. He's now bald and has a gray beard. But those words changed my life. I have held, this is kind of an emotional sermon for me because my walk with Christ is very deep and different than yours. And that's okay. But I want to share about my relationship with Jesus. It's really what matters most more than whether or not you're vaccinated, more than whether or not, whether or not CNN or Fox News is true, neither. It, it doesn't matter. What matters most is Jesus. And I want to talk to you about Jesus today. I want to talk to you about my relationship with Jesus because I held God to that. If I'm going to come to you, there better be a relationship. Otherwise, I'm not interested. So I want to share with you out of my relationship with Jesus this morning. 20 years ago, I worked with a pastor, and he said this to me. He said, you know, I speak the same to my wife and to my children as I do to the church people. And I thought, man, I'm glad I'm not your wife or kids. Because for me personally, personally, I talk different to different people based on my relationship with them. I mean, I don't talk to my wife the same as I talk to Eric Yoakum or John Kent or, or Mike Rosecrans or John Rosecrans. I don't, I don't go, hey, sweetie, hey, honey, hey, sweetheart. In, in my phone, Jack, you are not saved as babe of all babes. That is for Shanna. I talk to Shanna. She's shaking her head going, you're an idiot. I talk to Shanna different than I talk to any of you because my relationship, I talk to my kids different. I talk to each child different than the other child. I, talk to, I interact with you guys. Jack and I back and forth, you know, rib each other. I don't do that with Phil Kunal. You know, I, everybody's different. We interact differently with each other based on our relationship with them. And so my relationship with Jesus, this is so important. You need to really listen to this this morning. My relationship with Jesus is so different than my relationship with people. It's like categorically, it's like bipolar opposites of how I interact with you guys. It's really, inter- and I don't, think, I don't think that's hypocritical. It's just the way I interact with God. With people, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really proud of this part of it, but with people, I tend to be super extroverted. I tend to drive conversations. Mike Mortimer's always telling me to stop and listen. You know, you know I've, I've, I'm always, you know, kind of interrupting. I'm not a good listener. I'm, Shanna will say, you hear, but do you listen? no. But with God, my relationship is so different. I'm small. I'm quiet. I listen. I'm solemn. I about spend about 10% of my time talking to God, and the rest just kind of going, okay, God, this guy needs help. So Psalm 46.10 really explains my relationship with God the best way I can articulate it. So I want to break that down with you this morning 
and how I understand God and how I relate to my creator. And, and you may be different. For you, it may be different. And that's okay. That's okay. Because you are going to have a different relationship with your creator than I'm going to have with my creator. It's all going to center around the truth of who he is, right? But it's different according to each of us. And so I just want to pray this morning. And I want to just jump into this very, very simple sermon. Very, very different type of sermon. But I, I hope that you will walk away with some valuable tools to help you walk and develop your relationship with God. Lord, thank you. You are such a great God. And we pray that you would meet us here in this grove amidst the barking and the wind blowing and the children and the rustling. God, we pray that we would hear your whisper through the trees this morning. Amen. So as I interact with God, there are four things for me personally that I do as prerequisites so these are things, so if you struggle to hear the voice of God, these are four things that I do personally to hear the voice of God. The first one is this, heart of a champion. Are you all in for Jesus? As a youth pastor and as a man now who works with men, I always hear, well, I don't ever hear from God. I'm like, well, stop sleeping with your girlfriend outside of marriage. Stop, stop living in sin and being unrepentant. And so there is this quality of hearing God's voice where you have to Get rid of the pollution in your life, the sin in your life, and you have to say, God, I'm all in for you. St. Augustine once said in around 350 AD, he said, love God and do as you wish. And what he's saying is, when you completely surrender to Jesus Christ, you open the pathway to hear his voice. And if you have blatant or secret sin that you're unwilling to repent of, that is going to be a hindrance in hearing God's voice. So have the heart of a champion. Have the pencil of a sharpshooter. This is critical for me, especially after 50 years old. Buzz, you go get the pencil, baby. The pencil of a sharpshooter. I carry a notepad everywhere I go. Every morning when I walk, where'd all the papers go? Who? Steve, can I have those back? I, I, seriously, I need those. When I go to prayer in the morning, I bring a pencil or my pen, a pen that Fred made for me, actually, and I bring this yellow, this yellow notepad. Everywhere I go, I'm writing stuff down. And when I don't have my notepad, I've got this Indian dude named Siri. And he's always taking notes. He sends me about five emails a day. And I'm constantly listening to the whisper. What is God saying? Who is God putting on my heart? What, I think that God needed Julie to know how awesome she was this morning. I didn't plan that coming in. That was part of the whisper. What is God putting on your heart? I have to write it down because if I don't write it down, I have so many times in the shower, God speaks to me. I'm like writing on the misty, you know, you know, you know, how, how, give me a pen, writing on my hand, by Palm Pilot, you know, writing things down, having the pencil of a sharpshooter. And then the third thing I do that helps me a lot is I have the eyes of a hunter. You know, if you look at hunters in the, in the wild, their ears are small, their legs are muscular, their eyes are forward, and usually their eyes are smaller and they are constantly aware of their, their environment. I, I am a horrible driver because I'm constantly looking for wild game. In fact, my wife can spot wild game as good or better than me now, and she had to do it to survive. Because there were so many times, you'd be, drrr, drrr, there's a buck, drrr, there's a wild turkey, drrr, look at the mallards. I mean, and so she finally realized that either I'm gonna die by this crazy man, or I better start finding some game. And so the eye of a hunter always looking for God in the midst of life. He is all around us this morning. 
We have to look and find him, and we need the eyes, the focus of a hunter. Not only do we need the eyes of a hunter, but we need to have the ears of the preyed upon. Prey is easy to spot. They have bigger eyes. They are typically towards the side of their head, so they can see many angles. They normally have bigger ears. Think of a deer versus a mountain lion or a deer versus a human. And they are uh, ready to rock and roll at anything, any, any sense or any sign of danger. They're ready to roll. And so having the ears to listen to what God is saying. And there are four ways that I discern God's voice. Four ways that I know, okay, this is from you, God, this isn't. The first way is this. Is, is whatever God is saying out, done in love for other people? Right? So, I mean, if Phil were to say, oh, God, Jim, God told me to tell you you're ugly. I'm like, well, first of all, I already know that. Second of all, I don't think that's from God, Phil, because that's not very loving, right? And so, so what I'm saying is, is it done in love? And the next thing is, is it done in line with the word of God? You know, I had a guy come up and tell me one time, I feel like God is telling me to divorce my wife. And I said, well, I'm going to tell you something. God did not speak to you. What do you mean? I go, God would never tell you to divorce your wife because God hates divorce. Oh, he didn't tell me that? I go, no, he didn't tell you that. Oh, okay. But we live in this feeling world, right? Uh, my feelings, my feelings. Well, if your feelings don't align with Scripture, then you need to maybe take a Pepto-Bismol or like antacid or something because something's going on there that's not God. Here's a third thing, and this may sound weird to you, but this is something I really think is important. More human doing or more human being and less human doing. Our American way, I'm not sure is biblical. I'm not sure God wants us hyped up on blood pressure meds because we're stressed out and living on four hours sleep. I'm not sure I've ever seen any place in Scripture where Jesus looked stressed out, overworked. He actually kind of looked a little lazy from an American standpoint. I'm like, you're just walking around talking to people, holding children. Get a job. More human being and less human doing. Brendan Manning, I just wrote a, read Brendan Manning's book, Ragamuffin Gospel, for the third time. It's a beautiful book. And Brendan Manning was a Catholic priest who, got, who became a full-blown alcoholic, repented, gave his life to Christ. He's a phenomenal guy. He's passed away now. He wrote this. He wrote, our human doing becomes the very undoing of the gospel. More human doing, less, more human being less human doing. In fact, one of the prayers, I pray two, people, two prayers over people more than any other prayers that I've ever prayed in my career. And the first prayer is James 1.5, prayer for wisdom. But the second prayer is this prayer. I pray this prayer for people all the time. Psalm, I'm sorry, Philippians 4.6 and 7. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, Make your request known to God, and the God of peace, who transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. More human being and less human doing. Let the God of peace guard you. The last thing is this, and those of you who know me will laugh. More ears, less mouth. More ears, less mouth. Be still and know that he is God. Ecclesiastes 5.2, Solomon wrote, God is in heaven, you're on earth, so let your words be few. Matthew 6.7, Jesus said, when you pray, do not keep babbling like the pagans, 
Do not be like them, for your Father knows you need before you need them. I started this message telling you about our ministry. And, and, and some of you, I kind of saw some head nods and weird looks like, oh, here he goes again. And you just need to understand that we are such a small little church. We're in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. The fact that God is taking you guys and a guy like me, I don't have tons of degrees, I'm not the smartest apple on the tree. You know, to, to take people like us and to, to reach men in 122 countries, how does that happen? That's how it happens. That's how it happens. Because every morning, the first thing I do is I go into my prayer time, I grab the pen that Fred made me, and I pray. And I fill about a notepad a month up, two or three pages every morning of just the things that God is telling me. And I'm the dumb guy who does them. <laughs> That's as much as it is. I'm just the guy who says yes. God is always speaking to you. Do you listen? Do you have the pencil of a, do you have the pencil of a sharpshooter? Do you have the eyes of a hunter? Do you have the ears of prey? Do you have the heart of a champion? Are you willing to do what God is saying? Are you willing to take the time to understand and hear him? And that's all, that's all this. All, the men in the arena ministry can be summed up in this, those papers. Every good idea I've ever had was on that paper first. I bring nothing to the table except, God, if you put us on display, we will put you on display. That is the only thing we have going for us in this world is to put God on display. And we put God on display out of the overflow of what he's speaking to our hearts. So let's dive into Psalm 4610, okay? We're gonna, if you don't know this verse by memory, by the end of today, you'll know it by memory. It's not too hard. It's only half of a verse. So we're doing a half of a verse. Psalm 4610a, okay? The first thing is this. And I want you to repeat after me. Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. That's easy. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I... <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Uh, be still and know that I, a God. I, a God. That's really not a good sermon. It's not biblical. Oh. Be still and know that I am God. This is a call. L listen to me. This is a call be still and know that I am God is a call to turn. It's a call to turn. In Ecclesiastes 5, 7, we read, much dreaming and many words are meaningless. Therefore, stand in awe of God. As a youth pastor, I said many, many times, hundreds of times, what is prayer? And I always got the same wrong answer. Prayer is talking to God. That is not the correct answer. The correct answer is prayer is turning to God. Prayer, this is hard for me. This is where I see God. I'm going to tell you what I, where I see God. I see God when I look at Shanna's eyes. After 30 years of loving her. And I see that look. Prayer is a Maui sunset. Prayer is when I see the moon 
and the wind blowing through the palms in San Pedro, Belize. Prayer is the underworld scuba, world of scuba diving. Prayer is my first hands, my first human hands touching an antler of a deer I slayed or a buck or a bull. Prayer is seeing my eyes in my granddaughter. Prayer is the solitude of the Oahe River breaks at dusk. Prayer is the midnight stars in the trask on a moonless light night. Prayer is the purple back of a buoy 10 Chinook. Prayer is Ramos ears on all my sons. Prayer is the color of maple leaves in the fall. It's the August wheat before harvest. It's the power of erupting Kwanzaa cherry blossoms in March. It's geese flying in perfect formation, then of course shooting them. It's the smell of blackberries in September. It's the majesty of an old growth timber. It's the inspiration of clouds dancing against the sunset. It's the stormy waves crashing into the Oregon coast. It's the myriad colors of ducks. It's the voice of God in the sunrise. It's the veins in the maple leaves above you. It's the age seen in the maple bark in our grove. When I see these things, I see God in these things. They cause me to focus and to turn my attention from all of the busyness that this world has to offer to God. Prayer is a 180 degree turn from this stuff to this stuff. Prayer is, Paul writing, that which is seen with the eyes is temporal, that which is unseen is eternal. So as we walk back over here, so we learned part of we learned this verse, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. So what I want to do, forgive me, Julie, I only have a hand. I left the paper the eraser over there. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know that I am. So why don't you say this to me? Be still and know that I am. Psalm 46.10. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses is told by God, I am who I am. Tell them, I am has sent you. When I pray this prayer, when I think of my relationship with God, when I think of be still and know that I am, where be still and know that I am is a call to turn, be still and know that I am is a call to praise. Psalm 145.10 says, All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Matthew 6.9, this is how we shall pray. Hallowed be your name. In other words, praise is not about what God does for me. That's thanksgiving. Praise is simply reflecting on who God is, not what God does. So I come to God in praise simply because of who he is. He is worthy of my praise every day of my life, no matter what the situation, no matter how bad life is, he is worthy of my praise simply because he is God. Who is God? When I started praying this, I started praying the character and nature of God when we launched this ministry and things were not looking good. We, things were not looking good. We had 15 guys in a coffee shop. We had no money. We were losing our house. Everything was going south. And I started praying God's character and nature. You are the alpha. You are the omega. 
You are the first. You are the last. You are the beginning. You are the counselor. You are wonderful. You are the rock. You are the comforter. You are Lord. You are Savior. You are creator of the universe. You are unchanging. You are perfect. You are love. You are provider. You are healer. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. On and on and on. God, this is who you are. And you are worthy of praise no matter what is going on with my health, Steve. No matter what is going on with my children. No matter what is going on with my life, God, you are worthy no matter how bad the harvest was this year. You, oh God, are worthy because you are the great I am. I can be still and know that he is. And he's calling us this morning, be still and know that I am. Praise me. I am worthy of praise because I am your God. And as Steve said earlier, we tend to fill the bucket on earth, that little dot, that little dot. Life on earth is a dot. Eternity is that line. We tend to focus on that bucket called the dot of life when we forget about the eternity. And that's where God dwells, and that's why God is worthy of our praise. So I come over here. Be still and know that I am God. And I break it down one more step. I have be still and know. Be still and know. Psalm 46.10 Yeah, I was, uh, uh, whatever. Some of you said Psalm 4610. Some said Psalm 4610 is be still and know. This is a call to truth. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, able to pierce soul and spirit, joints and uh, marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions and attitudes of the heart. In the midst of turning to God, in the midst of praising God, we do have to know the truth of God, which our church is great at this, I think. I think our church is great at this. Knowing God. You know, Ken uh, shared the story of our waitress last night, Kim, being delivered out of a cult. I was going to tell you the name of the cult, but since Ken didn't, I'll respect that. Simply because she picked up the word of God And she compared it to the New World Translation of her cult's Bible and realized that God in this Bible doesn't match the God in our Bible. And she realized that this is the God of truth and this is the God of lie. And through her journey to truth, I mean, this gal was so fired up for Jesus. It was so funny. We said, hey, we want to pray for you. You know, we pray before our food. We're Christian guys and we want to pray for you when we do that. And the food hadn't even come yet. And, and the guys are like, Ramos, and she's bowed her head behind me. She's ready to rock and roll. Let's pray. There's no food. We don't pray there's food. But she was so fired up for Jesus because Jesus, because of knowing the truth, he had set you free. And Jesus said that. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I mean, Jesus also said in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the and the life, no one comes to the Father, but through me, no one does. No one. So it's really important that we know the right Jesus. We need to know the right Jesus. We need to know the truth of who he is. So as I come over here and I break this down further, Psalm 4610 
Hold on, just say for Psalm 4610. Thank you. It's just Simon says, just do what I tell you. Psalm 4610, and then repeat this one. Be still. Be still. Be still. Be still. So we have a call to turn. We have a call to praise. We have a call to truth. And now we have a call to? A call to silence. Psalm 130, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. Can I tell you something I've learned about silence from a guy who does not do silence well? Right? I mean, I am like, I suck the oxygen out of rooms. I walk in, the oxygen goes out. So this is me talking. Tom, stop it, Tom. He's like, it's so true. I love him anyway. It's so true. (laughs) Psalm 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. This... These yellow notepads come from silence. In my silence, God speaks to me the loudest. God does not speak to me when I'm speaking. Very rarely does he speak to me. Oh, wow, God, that was a great thought, Ramos. That's a God thing. No, never, never. God speaks the loudest to me when I shut my mouth and I listen to somebody rebuking me. I listen to my wife advising me. I listen to the nature around me. I listen to the eyes of our waitress serving pizza. I mean, it's, it's, it comes in the silence. I'm telling you, this is, this, is the, this is it right here. This is the go-to. God speaks the loudest in our silence. So this is, this is I, I don't know, even if Shanna knows this stuff, but when I pray, I go into my office or I go for a walk or I go wherever, I turn out the lights. No, I do not close my eyes when I walk because you walk into stuff when that happens. I turn out the lights. I get in a chair comfortably. Sometimes I kneel. Sometimes I sit. Some, I just do whatever I feel like I do. I get a cup of coffee. I get my yellow notepad. I get my pen that Fred made me. And I, and I, and I sit there in silence. Can I just tell you what happens a lot of time? I fall asleep. A lot of my prayer times are great nap times. I'm just being honest with you because... In the stillness, in the silence, in the peace, in those moments when you let everything go and allow God just to whisper to your heart, sometimes what you need is a little Z. I don't know why, but it doesn't happen all the time, honey. But sometimes there's a sleep to go. Getting to that place of just being at peace with who you are in Christ and resting in Him. Silence, listen, if you're a talker like me, shut up and listen to God. I don't know how introverts do their faith. I mean, everybody's different, but for an extrovert, the best thing we can do in prayer is just shut our mouth. And just, li- I mean, I'm looking at Miranda. Portuguese, we, we have to be quiet. It's, if you're Portuguese, I mean, hold on, you know. But I mean, we have to be quiet and listen to God. The last thing I want to share with you is this. Repeat after me. Psalm 4610. B. B. So Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. It's a call to turn. Be still and know that I am. It's a call to praise. Be still and know is a call to truth. Be still is a call to silence. And then lastly, this is, this is how I do my relationship with God. Finally, B, 
It's a call to rest in Him. It's a call to rest. You know, His burden is easy. Did you know that? If you're stressed out, you know the... So we had the woman from Wyoming talking about her husband being gentle. I'm writing this book called The Full Capacity Man. It may be my life work. I don't know. It's been really hard. But the word that God keeps saying to me in this, you, want, you know what God is saying to me right now? Be calm. Calm down. It's going to be okay. Calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Just be calm. Just relax. Let people finish their sentences. Be at peace. That's what God has been saying to me. In my marriage, calm down and listen. Don't overreact. Calm down. God is calling me to be a human being, not a human doing. His burden is easy and his yoke is light. I've shared this story before because it's so raw in my life, but when we launched this ministry in 2012, uh, our house, we had, we had no support. We didn't have a kind of a nest egg, and we launched with scrap, from scratch. My wife, in faith, followed God's call on my life, which meant she just became a hero to me. And our house went into foreclosure in about three months. We were losing our house. And I was so stressed out. Launched a ministry to tell men how to be better men, and my 12-year-old son is asking me if he should get a paper out to pay the mortgage. So around September 2012, things are progressing nicely. The house is in foreclosure. I'm getting the pink, le- you know, the white letters, then the yellow letters, then the pink letters, then the phone calls. You know how it goes. Shanna, Shanna grabbed me in the bathroom at one point and had to redirect my stress because I was freaking out the family because I was just couldn't sleep, all sorts of things. And I had three guys in, in one week, three guys, Tom McFadden, Jim Griffin, and Mike Riley. They all said, you know, Jim, it's really been weird. God's been speaking to me. Oh, I go, what's he been saying to you? And they're telling me their journey, right? God's telling me, they're saying to me, they're saying, Jim, God is telling me that his burden is easy and his yoke is light. Three guys tell me that God is speaking to them about that in one week. So I was like, okay, God, I get it. (laughs) Your burden is easy and your yoke is light. And I realized that in the midst of losing the house, in the midst of all these things, God was saying, be. I have only called you to be. Not to do and not to stress, but to be. And in that moment, in September, I said, God, Everything that you have called me to is on you, not me. And because it's on you, not me, I'm not going to freak out anymore. And if I lose my house, I lose my house. I've got a beautiful wife and wonderful kids. Who cares? I'm going to trust you. If you have called me and you are the God of the universe and you are the God who I praise and you are the great I am and you are the God who I can turn to and if you truly are the guy that you say you are in the Bible, then I can trust you. And if I lose my house, it's part of your program. And I'm okay with that honestly came to that conclusion and man it was like playing a country western song and backwards everything started coming back to us the house came back the dogs came back lower mortgage everything came back and i was like okay god what that what's going on here and it was god saying this to me the most important thing the thing that matters most is me your relationship with me So that's my story. I'm going to have the band come up. And I want to invite you this morning to close your eyes with me.
And as your eyes are closed, I just want you to listen. Listen to the footsteps as the band comes up. I want you to listen to the wind and the trees. Can you hear the maples rattle just a little? Can you hear the silence? Can you hear the cars miles away? People doing yard work? Just listen. And what I want you to listen to, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am. Be still and know. Be still. Be. Take this moment in silence. Ask God to speak to your heart. What does he have to say? You've been listening to the Men in the Arena podcast. If you hunger to be your best version, then join thousands of men from around the world in our Men in the Arena forum on Facebook. This is the best place to have open discussions around the topic of biblical manhood. Make sure to explore our website at meninthearena.org, sign up for the weekly equipping blast, and take advantage of our many free resources designed to help you become your best version of a man. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, Everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.